You think that you are the number one dad? No offense, Homer, but your half-assed underparenting was a lot more fun than your half-assed overparenting. But I'm using my whole head. No wire-hangers My father would womanize, he would drink. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the first Welcome, Amanda. Welcome, Nathan. To Mom and Pop Culture, Woo-hoo. our weekly podcast where we take a look at the parenting. Weekly. We're trying. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> uh, podcast where we take a look at the parenting in um, a piece of popular culture. This week, it is the 1989 classic, The Little Mermaid. Woohoo. Based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale of the same name. This came out in November 17th, 1989. Mm-hmm. Did you see this in the theater? I must have. I don't, I mean, I either this or The Lion King was my first movie. But I loved this movie so much. I remember we had it on VHS, so maybe that's the first time Did I saw it. Did you have the VHS copy where uh, the Undersea Palace has a very clearly drawn penis on yes, it? Yes, we did. And where the priest pops a boner. <laughs> Both of which have been taken out of yes. the version we watched on Disney+. Plus. That's correct. Um, and I was... So I was like three or four when I saw this and used to sing... Like the song where she gets her voice taken out so much that like my friend's dad had to be like, you have to stop being overplaying at their house. And I'm just being like, it's too much. Well, in my role as your daughter's dad, I've asked you to have to stop a few times. That's true. So I completely uh, understand that. More the Frozen song now. That's correct. Which is still just vocalization. This for me was, I definitely saw it. I was nine. Uh, this movie made $84 million in its initial theatrical run, and I think $4 million of that was from my family. We <laughs> saw it. It was my sister's shit, and so like I had to go, and I, in true brother form, acted like I hated it and probably did hate it, yet like I know all the words to all the songs, and, mm-hmm. and it went... I had the idea for this podcast. This was the movie that I was like, we should discuss. Uh, So it obviously means something. It meant something to Disney. It was their first animated fairy tale since 1959, Sleeping Beauty. So 40 or 30 years, rather. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty didn't do well, and that's why they... Went away from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was their first animated critical and box office success since The Rescuers, which dated back to 1977. The film tells the story of Ariel, a princess mermaid, uh, who dreams of becoming human and falls in love with a human prince named Eric, which leads her to make a magic deal with an evil sea witch to become human and be with him. How does it go for her? Pretty good. (laughs) By the end, pretty good. Ups and downs, but by the end it goes where you expect it to, right? Well, where she expected it to, I suppose. This won Oscars for Best Original Score. And Best Original Song for Under the Sea, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. It is written and directed by Ron Clements and John Muster, with music by Alan Menken, who also did the music for Little Shop of Horrors. That's right. Yes. I was like, I know that name. It cost $40 million, which was pretty expensive, and a considerable amount of energy went into this production. It was one of their first bi-coastal productions. They had uh, animation being done in Hollywood. They had animation being done in Orlando, Florida. 
Uh, they said more bubbles were drawn for this than any other movie. It was one of their last movies. I'm sorry, their very last movie where they used cell animation. So this is the last one with hand-painted cells. For that $40 million, they grossed $233 million. This was split among two releases, the first being in 1989, and then it was re-released in 1997. At the time, a guy named Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, have you heard of Jeffrey Katzenberg? Yes, the Disney guy. Disney guy started DreamWorks. Yes. Started Quibi most recently. Oh, God. <laughs> well, hold on. Mr. Katzenberg was, the, at the time, the head of Disney, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, didn't think the film was going to do well because it was so girly. He thought, by comparison, Oliver and Company, which came out the year before, was going to oh be God. Disney's yeah, big hit. Yeah, you know, women never buy anything. Never, never repeatedly <laughs> buy anything. It made Aren't 64... Really the drivers of household purchases? Right, of course. Right. <laughs> Well, yes, in this instance, they were, because this movie made 64% more than Oliver and Company. They are. I mean, women, they do most, I mean, especially in the 80s, most of the grocery shopping, Mm -hmm. I mean, still, I would say, is probably done by a majority of women. That's why so much TV is geared towards women, Mm -hmm. because they do most of the shopping. quote, unquote, home all day. Housewives are most of the viewing audience of a daytime TV. Yes. Do you want to get into the like trivia about the bodies that car- some of the characters are based on now, or Absolutely. who played whom? Yeah, okay. definitely. I thought some of this was kind of interesting. So, one of the things we're going to get into here is that I saw this when I was nine. Yeah. At like the onslaught of puberty. Sure. And Ariel was like the it's first cartoon beautiful. where I was like, yeah, 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 nice. for sure. Mine was Kermit the Frog. So. Okay. <laughs> That makes total you sense. Did a little better. If you had to guess what 1989 celebrity TV star, I'll give you that much. Oh boy, Ariel's body was based on. Who would you guess? You will. You know the name and have interacted with this person. I've interacted with her mm-hmm. personally on Twitter. Oh God, I don't know. Alyssa Milano. Oh my God. <laughs> From Who's the Boss is who she is based on. All right. Okay. I, I could kind of see that, yeah, right? I don't feel as bad about and... as a 41 year old man looking at her going, nice now. <laughs> like, well, I mean, nice back then. If you did it now, she's 16. <laughs> well, I'm grandfathered in, was right. my point by mentioning <laughs> that when I was nine, I was attracted to her. It doesn't gotcha. go away. I hear you. Ursula's body is based on the drag performer Divine? Uh, absolutely. I mean, right. I, I mean that, almost was, literally. that was going to be one of the things that I talked about is how, I mean, Ursula is very dangerous femininity. You know, she's fat. She's She has uh, loud makeup. She's big. She's boisterous. She wants power. And so that's very dangerous uh, in contrast to Ariel, who isn't wearing any makeup, is literally giving up her voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of the ways that she is feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ariel's somewhat dangerous, right? She's rebellious. She's mm-hmm. not doing what she's supposed to. She's literally abandoning the patriarchy of her life. For sure. All of that fits. Do you know who Ursula was written for? No, I don't. And then there's Maud. Oh, God. B. Arthur. B. Arthur. Because she was on Golden Girls, which was a Buena Vista property, mm-hmm. and they thought they could get her. And she said, no, thank you. Ah, interesting. Along with a lengthy list. Of, of no thank people. yous? Mm-hmm. Well, wow. no thank yous, uh, including Roseanne. One of the things I looked at, oh, Roseanne would have been interesting, uh, was until they decided on a fat octopus, she was going to be like a thin, snaky lionfish. Okay. And so, like, be the like other kind of drag. <laughs> sure, sure. Interesting. Jim Carrey auditioned for Eric? 
All Seems right. ridiculous. What, yeah. a, what a waste of talent Jim Carrey in a voice role would have been <laughs> yeah. in 1989. Right. Two other misfits. So Scuttle, the, uh-huh. who's a Burgess Meredith, they, is who they got? Is that who that is? No, it's uh, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was mixing up my old time <laughs> performers. Two uh, notable racists uh, auditioned for that role, Bill Maher and Michael Richards. Oh, boy. Again, with Michael Richards, complete waste of talent. Yeah, for taking sure. Taking all of his body acting ability Mark, and putting it on screen. Here. Bill Mark, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing, buddy? That's why he has to do his show is because he didn't get roles like this. <laughs> right. But I would also like to talk about the Hans Christian Andersen short story that this is based on. Sure. Which I think it goes through the Disney tradition of completely changing fairy tales from them being bitey and kind of real world truths mm-hmm. like that you learn from to this being saccharine, everything works out. She's married to Eric at the end. You didn't learn from this? <laughs> I learned how not to treat my daughter, I suppose. All right. Do you want to talk about the mamas and the papas? Let's do it. We don't have many. Just the one. Classic King. Disney fashion. No moms. No mom anywhere. <laughs> mom is out of the picture. It's just King Triton. Yeah. Do we know in the text what happened to mom? No. Wait, Do I don't think, think she's even mentioned. She's not mentioned, right? No. She's just not there. Yeah. And Ariel seems to have several sisters who maybe are from different moms. Yes. Yeah. Let well, me ask you this. Who knows how mermaids reproduce? Maybe they're just shooting their roe and sperm everywhere. Maybe Triton ate her. Ooh. Maybe he's he gets murderously angry. Yes. A couple of times and is willing to destroy the things of women he loves. Yeah. So my Netflix docuseries is an investigation <laughs> into Triton's missing wives. <laughs> the other thing is that, like, you know, he is Poseidon. Very is that right? Heavily alluded to. Mm-hmm. And Poseidon is terrible. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense that he could have eaten or killed his wives. So figure is that or she got killed by a human, right? With his killed bigotry by a for human humans. would be a really good one for where he's coming from a protective place. That would make oh, a well, sweeter story. We'll talk about that. I think it's a, a little beyond protective. It so, is, but that, I mean, we talked about it with um, the Royal Tenenbaums, how Chaz gets so protective of his children through traumatic experience mm-hmm. that... He could be trying to protect her and failing. That's true. A queen of the dawn, choosing Triton. Great father who loves us and named us well. Debut. Our second little sister, we're presenting her to you. To sing the song Sebastian wrote, her voice is like a bell. She's our sister, Ariel. Ariel! The entire thing that we see, you know, when we're introduced to the mermaid people, is a performance for Triton. The song is literally about his spawn. There is no specific rationale for why we're even doing this performance and he's furious at her and his explanation later is the whole concert will have to be moved will have to be rescheduled what a dick you ruined the whole celebration Mm -hmm. the whole celebration of what nobody's ever talking about what it is it's just a big celebration to clap at triton Mm -hmm. 
I just don't know what we're going to do with you, young lady. Daddy, I'm sorry. I just forgot. I... As a result of your careless behavior... Careless and reckless behavior. The entire celebration was... Uh... Well, it was ruined. It seems pretty ridiculous and totally like a, a thing that it would be fine for a 16-year-old daughter to peace out on. And again, like, you're setting up a big concert. Nobody's checking. Nobody's backstage. You have somebody backstage who is helping to manage all of that, mm -hmm. who is checking to make sure all of your people are there. They can hit their marks. They know what they're doing. They have what they need. They just put that clam out there and hope for the best. <laughs> Let Sebastian kind of worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> they need better event planning under the sea, for, for sure. For sure, man. His fear and bigotry towards humans, right? I think it's valid. Maybe if they killed his wife. Sure. Yeah. But he sexualizes it, right? It's oh, like, yeah. I don't want you to get uh, impaled on some fish eater's hook. It's very much, I guess his worst fears are going to be realized in the story, right? Yeah. About his daughter abandoning the sea life. For sure. For those with legs. And, I mean, you know, I think in that opening concert, too, like, King Triton comes in at this beautiful music and it's powerful and there's fireworks and like waves and takes a seat and everyone claps and then Sebastian comes into like a kazoo mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like a jester like look at this fool <laughs> and, like, it's... the class awareness in this is really interesting and mm -hmm. you see it with Sebastian the idea that, that we'll talk about it more when we talk about the pseudo parents but the idea that this essentially employee knows Ariel better than her father rang really true to me. Yeah. It also rang true to me, uh, two things in his uh, just stereotypical parenting, when he's like, under my ocean, you'll follow my rules. Mm -hmm. That's very much, you know, in this house, we do things this way. Yeah, That's but she can't raised. even get, like, the, I'm jumping to the end, but the thing that really pissed me off is Triton the whole time could have just given her legs to try it out. So, mm -hmm. like, give her the space to be a, a person, to be human, to be like, hey, it's not that great. You know, like, I mean, that's, kids need, space to but make mistakes. But maybe it's his trauma. If we're going to go with yeah. the story that uh, they caught, the Eric and his seamen caught his wife and cut semen. her up and ate her because uh -huh. they seem to know about mermaids, then maybe it makes sense. When he screams, don't take that tone with me. <laughs> yeah. That was classic. Ariel. Gla uh, gas bag dad. Yeah, is also a thing we do in our house. <laughs> yes. Relax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Passing the buck to Sebastian was very relatable. Do you uh, think uh, I was too hard on her? Definitely not. Why, if Ariel was my daughter, I'd show her who was boss. None of this flipping to the surface and all of such nonsense. No, sir, I'd keep her under tight control. You're absolutely right, Sebastian. Of course. Ariel needs constant supervision. Constant. Someone to watch over her, to keep her out of trouble. All the time. And you are just the crab to do it. Where, you know, Sebastian's like, she needs supervision. She needs someone to look after her. And her own dad's like, great, you do it. Well, right. And, like, Sebastian giving him... Sebastian's not a parent. And Triton immediately is like, you're right. Let me take up your... I have no ideas on how to parent, even though I have all of these other daughters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't Seven know other daughters? It. Is that the count? Yeah. I think? Uh, one, two, three. Do you think four, Sebastian five, raised six. them all? Six. I don't think so because he's not a very good parent. I disagree. I think he ends up being pretty good. I think he ends up being pretty good, but I think he, you see through the movie that he's learning the whole time. Isn't that what it means to be a good parent? Check, Nate. <laughs> Triton not knowing she's in love? 
yeah. is pretty pathetic. Or what like, love looks like, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. to like a teenager who's infatuated. He doesn't know how to connect with his daughter at all. At all. At all. Like, doesn't know who she a is. total stranger to him. Yeah. Which is really, really sad. Yeah. And, and him he, del- just destroying all of her stuff. We'll get to that in the bad parenting. That's like unforgivable. I mean, uh, and it, 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 that's like the catalyst for all of the behavior that becomes so um, traumatic and threatening to her own safety. Mm-hmm. In the end, I liked that he he helps out. Obviously, he seems to get the the story arc in this. Yeah. And when he's like, "Let no one sleep till Ariel's home." I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad he's doing it, but on the other hand, dude, you wake up in the bed you made. Like yeah. it's not anybody's fault but yours. Why does the whole kingdom have to suffer because you're shitty at being a dad. Right. And don't you have a lot unfair. of magical powers? Can't you do something with that? Like, <laughs> Work that triton, I guess, right? That's yeah, what that thing yeah. is called? Or is that a trident? Trident, I think. One, yeah. I don't remember. One is one, one is the other. But it seems to have unspecified magical abilities. And you're right. You could have been like, here's your fantasy camp weekend as a human. Yeah, come instead back. Instead of letting her get duped uh, by this contract with her aunt. Right. Did you see any pseudo parents in this? We Tons. talked a little bit about Sebastian. Tons. I mean, Sebastian for sure, um, because he he becomes. I mean, that he's deputized to be her mm-hmm. her dad. Um, but uh, the other ones would be Ursula as a, a parent figure, um, and then to hop over to Prince Eric Grimsby okay. and whoever that maid is. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Sebastian first. I loved, and it rang true to me that the hired help knew the kids better than the dad. Like, that is my experience with my dad and his other kids. And, uh, you know, the nannies all know those kids better and get along with them better. Mm -hmm. And spend more time. I mean, Mm -hmm. Sebastian really, you're right that he's a good parent because he learns and he understands. He makes mistakes. He makes missteps. But then he works to correct them in in ways that he can. Mm -hmm. He also, so both Sebastian and Triton want to communicate things are good here and humans are dangerous. Mm -hmm. And Triton does it with yelling and Mm -hmm. Sebastian does it with a Oscar winning song. (laughs) (laughs) Like Dancing and fish. Right. I mean, (laughs) uh, shows clearly like fish down here are happy. Fish up there are food. Yeah. Very like overtly in the text of the song. I think the song is really good advice. It is. Under the sea. Um, And I think that she's lucky to have him in her life. I I will talk about, I think there's a point in every 16-year-old where you're not going to communicate with them anymore, you know. And and I think we reached that a little bit with Ariel in this. Yeah. And and Sebastian, he doesn't go right off to Triton when she becomes human. He Mm -hmm. lets her have that experience. And he helps her. He supports her. Yeah, he realizes this is the reality we're in now. I've lost control and I better get with the program. And I better just be a support person because this isn't happening how I wanted it to. He he is in mortal danger being around that French chef, which is a very racist character. Isn't Sebastian uh, pretty racist too? Is yeah, he, you know the actor is not. He's not Creole. No, or he's not Jamaican. Like he, he's from South Carolina. He, he's doing an accent in okay. the movie. Uh, he's doing like a Trinidadian a- sure. accent. Okay. Um, and there's also like blackface in this movie for like a split second, like blink and you'll miss it mm-hmm. in the Under the Sea song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like man, Disney, come on, can't so you do one? Time. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, 1989 was 32 years ago. I know, so. I know, but they're in, like, France. <laughs> like, you didn't even have to. <laughs> Scuttle the seagull. Scuttle the seagull. It reminded me of an Uncle Doobie. 
But he's an Uncle Doobie. A know-it-all there to help. Totally. It's one of the best jokes in the movie when he mistakes Eric for his dog. When she's like, I love him, isn't he dreamy? He's like, a little, a little hairy. hairy and slobbery. <laughs> but he's he's such an Uncle Doobie because like he doesn't know anything, but he wants to pretend that he does. And he's also supportive of her weird like mm-hmm. interest and like trying to help her with that. And then he saves the day at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. He rallies everybody to get to the ship to stop the wedding and is like throwing crabs at Ursula. Doing his best. Working with what he's got. Trying to see Ariel and meet her where she is. Yes. Right? I'm just having this thought now, so forgive me if it doesn't come out well, but when he looks at her through the telescope. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit like that's the experience of having a teenager, where oh. it's like, I can see you, but you're very far away. Yeah. Um, and I I think that's really kind of poignant. Yeah. Also, him not even realizing she has legs. <laughs> like, him, him being, like, him seeing her so deeply that he doesn't even notice when her whole physicality has, has changed. changed. Right, and she comes out of the water It's very first time. sweet, yeah. Uh, let's check in with Grimsby, because I have a feeling we'll have more to say about Ursula than Grimsby. <laughs> Grimsby's basically Eric Sebastian, right? The old guy who gets seasick on the boat. I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, so from his perspective, the very start of the movie, we, we meet the sailors on the boat, and we meet Grims, Grimsby barfing over the side of the boat. The sailors are all, like, spinning this yarn about mermaids. King Triton and the mm-hmm. mermaids. And, yep. and Grimsby is like, y'all are dumb. No. <laughs> like, this is, this that's not real. Like, he's trying to put Eric in the real world, but he is totally wrong mm-hmm. because we see there are mermaids. Yep. <laughs> Immediately see that there are mermaids. So I think that really sets his character where he is like, no, 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 this is how real stuff is done, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's just totally off the mark the whole time. Yeah, I agree, and I, it related, I think, to the way Eric's brought up and why his relationship with Ariel could actually work is his lack of parents. He's yeah, got I don't know that we... I think we hear at some point... Maybe I'm making they this up. They were eaten by humans. <laughs> they were also eaten by humans. <laughs> humans are bad. Uh, I think we hear at some point that Prince Eric's dad died in a boat... That's right. If but, storms come on as quickly, yeah, as hurricanes like in, in this world as they do in this movie, then I believe that. Yeah, I. But who knows where his mom is? Again, Disney. There's no even mention of her. She's gone. She's just gone. One pseudo mother who's there is Ursula, mm-hmm. very motherly to her eels. Yeah, she loves them. Supports them. They work for her, obviously. Yeah. She then. Uh, She's also abusive to them, but I mean, I think that's. That's who she is. That's who she is. She's an abusive person. Uh, So she's Ariel's aunt, right? I don't think so. Not in... Okay. Why did I think that? I mean, she makes a statement of saying, when I was in the castle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is some sort of relationship, but I don't know that they directly say that they're related to sister. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But that would make sense. I mean, she talks about being in power herself. I did like that part where she whined about her life back in the castle. It reminded me of every meal I've sat next to my grandmother. (laughs) 
where she's just constantly telling me about how great of a job she did and how great it was in her day. And uh, it's like, listen, you old bag. (laughs) It's not, none of this is real. Well, if Ursula is not her aunt, then I don't have this question. But are there any like forbidden family members in your family? I mean, I think. Not supposed to see? I think that's me. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm that person over here in the cave. Yeah! But, I mean, it, the alternative is fucking going to ceremonies, celebrating King Triton. Right? So. Yes, and being like, yeah, King yeah, Triton. Yeah, King Triton, you're the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ursula using the contract to defraud her family reminded yeah. me very much of my family and this gross intermeshing of business and family that happens. And, like, one of my aunts was the bookkeeper for another aunt's company and, like, literally stole money from her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so that rang really true. And it just, my family's one where everybody, they're all, they all think they're King Tritons, right? Yeah. So nobody could work for another person. And they're all Ursula's. So they've all, no, so they've all, well, I mean, inside. So they've all started their own companies, but now, like, a mesh family with it because guess what? It's way easier in the world of business, there are, like, rules of human relationships and ways you're supposed to behave. And in the human relationships of a family, you don't have those. So these people are all now trying to, like, businessify their families. And it's gross. Yeah. It it's, doesn't work. It doesn't work. It leads to exploitation. It leads to things like this where it's like, no, I'm helping you. But really, mm-hmm. she's just fucking her over. Yeah. And and waiting to fuck over Triton. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even about Ariel for yeah. Ursula. Yeah. And just sees Ariel's desperation as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then takes total advantage of her. And, like, if Ursula can make herself look that way, use that to improve your station in life. Like, yeah. you have powers. Yeah. Well, who knows what the, the binding... Well, that's like, one of my big problems with this movie. Well, yeah, there's a lot of big there's problems. A, one too many magics <laughs> for me to keep track of, I right? I think she's a witch. Are we mermaids so... or are we casting spells? <laughs> right. Because I don't... A little much for me to process. With the trident being like, (laughs) well, he could just make her a person? What the hell? (laughs) That's so stupid. But Ursula, like, I appreciate she's very smart. She's able to look at the situation and kind of monitor it from the outside and be like, this is my opportunity. She's cunning. She's cunning. Yeah, for sure. And, like, she's the one who gives Ariel the opportunity to make this mistake, Mm -hmm. to, to try it out. I'm not going to give her that much. I think she's a wicked character. I do, too. I would not frame it as her giving Ariel the opportunity. How else? She would not have had that any other way. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe. We'll get there. Okay. Siblings. Siblings. Ariel has a million sisters. Yeah, she's got She's going through this huge life-changing ordeal. Her dad's screaming at her, Mm -hmm. destroying her secret cave, which none of her sisters appear to know about. No. Who are these bitches? Well, her best friend's Flounder, so she doesn't need sisters, apparently. (laughs) Flounder's enough of a sister on his own. Uh, He is. He's such a Martin Prince. It's cool to see her get him out of trouble. Yes. She does get him out of trouble a lot of times. And then he, in the back half of the movie, he can't participate because he's a fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His part of the story is over. Yeah. But so these sisters, right? They're, they see her in love and then they're gone. 
Not who's the boy, not let me give you some dating advice, not nothing. Just gossiping to their dad, Mm -hmm. like not not engaging with her in any way. So (laughs) I thought it was interesting in the opening song that we see at the celebration, the song is about how Triton named his daughters well. Sure. So what I was like, you looked what, into the names, right? what are their names? Uh, Arista, which means best, which are okay. <laughs> um, A-R-I-S-T-A? I think so, yeah. That was also a record label at this time. Adrena, okay. which means virile. Adela, which means noble. Okay. Alana, which means precious. Atina, which means wise, and Aquata, which means water. <laughs> this then, is my daughter, water. Yes. And then Ariel, which means lion of God and is a boy's name. There you go. It's like a Jewish boy's name. <laughs> Do you think Ariel, or the reason Triton dislikes you so much is like in the mermaid womb, were they expecting a boy? Yeah, maybe. And then Ariel came out a girl. She's the only redhead, too. So She's also the only one with like a rebellious... What you might consider boyish spirit. Yes, she is. Those are terrible names, but they don't mean anything. No. Yeah. So Ariel and the question of sort of this story and I suppose whether or not Ursula provides it with an opportunity leads us to a new category I want to do on our podcast. Okay. Where we talk about damn wiener kids. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because part of my response that I wrote down in my notes to this is... um, should we not, and I say this as a, a member of this club, but should we nominate Ariel for membership in the Dumb Bitch Hall of Fame? <laughs> she's um, been told her whole life how dangerous humans are. And she's like, give me that. I identify with that so much. There are so many other things she can do. I, yeah. And I, you know, didn't want to. Wanted out. Wanted to get out. It's yeah. like that 30 Rock where Jack is tells Tracy you can do anything but dogfighting. He's like, <laughs> he we're going to go dogfighting. <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, yeah. Like, I the, understand The more it. you put restrictions on someone and the more focused that they are. I mean, I think about all of the really conservative senators and them having, like, especially, like, the really racist ones, then having secret black families. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, getting into some weird, like, paid sex shit with minors and, you know, like, it's it's always, like, the more you squeeze somebody, the more they will rebel, mm-hmm. even if it's in private. And I think the more hammered home it was not to go to the surface, that was making it more intriguing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is she dumb? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I agree that all, with all of that. But as a dad, I also imagined my daughter. Like, we don't have things like that with our kid where there's no. nothing she's forbidden. No. And for this very reason. Right. But I also can imagine my kid being 16, even though we have these rules about what is, you know, nothing is forbidden like that. can imagine her going like, well, I'm going to go to this all night rave or whatever the thing I sure. think is ridiculous is. And me being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, sure. And I mean, I think that had, instead of, if Triton had found, if found Ariel's secret room with all of her trinkets and doodads and who's it's and what's it's galore, um, thingamabobs. She's got 20. Plenty. She wants more. No, but if if Triton got to that room and was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize this meant so much to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like, being able to see her finally and been like, 
why don't you and I go to the surface for a day? Sure. Sure. Why don't you and I go, why don't you and your sisters go up to the surface? I'll give you legs. You I'll go, give you the credit card. Yeah, you, you guys go, get go lunch. have a good time. Yeah, yeah have some you see what it's like. It's not great. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that will horrify you. Um, and just opened, was open about it. The, mm-hmm. I'll protect you. Either. I'll protect you. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll support you as a parent. Instead of it being like, no, 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 now I'm going to blow up your statue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She'd end up married to some lovely merman that he was excited about, and he would be able to see her instead of her being a human that he'll never see. A huge motivator for her is that she bets that on land they understand and they don't reprimand their daughter. <laughs> has that been your experience as a land-based has, daughter? Not, I remember being a little kid and singing that song and being like, it's not true, Ariel. <laughs> they still do. Well, and they that's don't where, understand. So there's elements in this movie where they do that really well, where they're like, oh, these are just dumb fucking kids. Yeah, like, they're, she's 16. Eric's supposed to be 18. They're just dummies. It's mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. You know, like they just like... Bro, they're not in love. She has to kiss him in three days. Mm-hmm. That's not, I mean, whatever that is, that's, I mean, maybe it is true love because when you're that age, everything is true love. But like, it's not a stable romantic relationship. Sure. It's not something that you'd get married because of. And his uh, belief that love is going to hit him like a bolt of light or a bolt of light. Yes. <laughs> like, also... I know. I know. I'll look at her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's dumb, Welcome Eric. Welcome to the Dumb Bitch Hall of Fame, <laughs> <Yes>. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> the cave of Ariel's, I think, she has all these trinkets for the uh, mermaid and human connection she doesn't have. Yes. Right? She's got a lot of stuff and nobody who wants to be a part of her life. Uh, and that's so, talking about now the bad parenting, that like Triton destroys it is like merciless. Oh my God, yeah. I remember my parents taking away my phone and my ability to communicate with my peers and friends and anybody. And it's just so isolating. And that's what it really seemed like in that moment where she's just, she has this strong connection and this love and he doesn't care and it's gone. And it's collecting these things is like her uh, motive power. Like it's the thing she's doing. It's what she wants to do with her time is, is pursue her interest in this. And he just refuses to acknowledge it and in fact destroys it and it's like super shitty I mean I think obviously murdering his string of wives is also pretty bad <laughs> I mean and and that's what leads her right into the arms of Ursula she's so mm-hmm. she's in so much pain and she's so Ursula his ex-wife maybe ooh that's a good one but yeah, she's in a lot of pain. She's she's so vulnerable in that moment because her dad, the, she doesn't have a mom and her sisters suck. And mm-hmm. she's got Flounder who sucks too. And the only person who really should understand her is her dad. And he just came in and ruined all of her stuff. Mm-hmm. And she needs she, it, Boy it seemed, or some 41. Or exactly. Or, well, that's what this cave was, I think. <laughs> this was right. like. That was her record collection. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was her, you know, dark eyeliner and her, you know, <laughs> her I mean, hot topic. Was, yeah, her hot topic spiky belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, like, becomes then, like, she feels like she has no other choice but to do this. Sure. I can't be here mm-hmm. where else I have to leave. You know, he mm-hmm. said that under my water, you'll obey my rules. Yeah, there's literally nowhere for, for her to go. 
Goodbye, Dad. Yeah. One of the things I am most proud of mm-hmm. as a dad mm-hmm. is that when our daughter and I were at the library flipping through the graphic novel of The Little Mermaid, and when we got to this part of it, she pointed at it and goes, Mean Daddy! Mm-hmm. Mean Daddy! Because uh, she can even observe at her young age that, like, no, this is a shitty fucking way to behave. Yeah. It's not yeah. acceptable. Your observation that he could have given her the experience on land any damn time he wanted is pretty... So damning. Yeah. You're like, it's, you, you kept this from her and you deliberately pushed her away because of it, you dummy. Mm-hmm. Talk about what dumb bitch club. What is down there? Right. There's music class and jack shit else, it seems like. So what? <laughs> Not even music class, but performance. Right, right. <laughs> For good parenting, I don't have much except that uh, Triton finally comes around. Triton, yeah, to his credit, like when he can't find Ariel... He's like, what have I done? Like, mm-hmm. he, he takes credit for it. He knows it's him. Like, uh, he, Yeah, he owns up to it pretty fast. Yeah. And well, he then, as I said, makes it everybody else's problem, which I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with. I mean, he has, he has the resources to make it to everybody else's problem, but he's, he's taking ownership of, like, he caused this. Sure. He saves her at the end when she is captured by Ursula. He, like, takes a bullet, right? He takes a bullet for her. He gives himself up. And that is, I mean, that's true parenting love, I think, is is being like, no, I, I you fucked up. This is something that I can bear for you. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. understand that as I would do that for our kid. Yeah, you made the mistake, but I'll cover for you. I'll take the bullet for yes. you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's really good. I like that rainbow he makes in the end. <laughs> Nothing that... <laughs> Nothing that fork can't do. Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Sebastian is great in the end, too, where he starts out the movie being like, no, teens need really strict uh, rules and being like, well, you got to give them the space to be who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, that's very sweet and true. Um, you know, because teens are people. They're dummies. But that's why you have to have some boundaries and rules. But like, you need to give them space to explore mm-hmm. or they'll... You know, meet with a sea witch. That's right. Is there anything else you want to say on The Little Mermaid? No, I love this movie. It's a good one. (laughs) It was hard to tune back into it after having tuned out of it so many times while our kid watched it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, we have seen this movie a lot of times over the last couple years. And to, like, watch it with a critical eye, it was hard to stay on board for the whole thing. For sure. Much easier for (laughs) Tenenbaums. And I'm sure whatever we'll pick next week as we try to continue this weekly podcast. Well, and I only have one problem left. Oh. How much I'm going to miss you. 